heavenly army of angels, the guardian angels, angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom his love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. In Italy, in my grandparents' day, when a baby was born of the aristocracy, a child was chosen to be his or her companion for life. When my grandmother was born, such a girl child became her companion. When grandmother grew up and married, the companion went with her to America. After they arrived in the new world, although my grandparents released her from any obligation to remain with them, she stayed with them until she died and is buried in a plot between my grandmother and grandfather. Our church teaches us that at birth we are giving a companion who will remain with us until the day we die, then continues with us, even to visiting us in purgatory to console us in between his trips to our loved ones, pleading with them to pray for us. This companion, whom we call our guardian angel, faithfully stays by our side right up to the day his work done, he presents us at the entrance of the kingdom of God. Angels unaware. There are many stories that can be told of a mysterious voice warning you of danger, of something or was it someone interfering in the nick of time. As we started to write this book on angels, we found ourselves remembering incidents in our lives we had long forgotten. Could it be our guardian angels reminding us? Why not? Penny and her guardian angel on the road. Many years ago, when our children were very young, Bob and I decided to bring them and my mother on a tour of the southeastern part of the United States. We thought we could incorporate a vacation with business by selling merchandise to retail stores as well. We lived on Long Island in New York at the time. The night we began our journey, Bob had to remain behind. He will join us in a couple of days. I had been out for about 17 hours when we set out for Washington, D.C. I was so excited to be bringing our family on this holiday, I was not sleepy. Besides, I thought there will be less traffic on the highway at night and I could make better time. My family and I arrived in Washington, D.C. early in the morning. I left my mother and two children at a very pleasant family-type motel where they could swim and relax until I returned from calling on my two accounts. The only problem was the two accounts were department stores in Richmond, Virginia, about 150 miles from Washington, D.C., and I had to see the buyers in the daytime hours, so I set out without resting. I worked until 7 in the evening. When I left Richmond to return to Washington, I had been up without sleep for 36 hours. Not even stopping to have a cup of coffee or a bite to eat, eager to return to my family, as I was sure my mother would be worried, I got in my car and began the long drive back to Washington, D.C. I was not aware I had fallen asleep until I heard a sharp commanding voice call me by my baptismal name, Pauline. I will snap my head upright and swerve my car to the right, just as I was about to collide head-on with a huge Mack truck coming straight at me from the other side of the highway. This went on for hours, over and over again, because I was too much of a fool to even stop to get a cup of coffee. I fall asleep, and a voice will sharply awaken me, 
just in the nick of time. Not having been brought up with knowledge of the angels, and in particular my guardian angel, I could not explain it. I just knew someone kept waking me up, calling me by a name I had not used in years. While we were researching this book, I found a passage which explains to me what had happened during that trip. They, angels, protect our spiritual and corporal bodies. They often shield us from sudden dangers that threaten our lives or come to our rescue when some harm has befallen us. I now believe it was my guardian angel, and the angel who talked with me came again and waked me like a man that is awakened out of his sleep. Zechariah 4, 1 The Angels and the Rosary How many times, dear friends, have you been there to save us even from ourselves? Bob and I were still in the business world. On this particular day, I was receiving some very upsetting phone calls from customers and manufacturers. Time came for me to pick up my grandson from high school. He was not old enough to drive. As I drove toward his school, I became concerned that the anger that had invaded my heart and soul might spread to my boy. Seeking peace, as only the Lord and his mother can provide, I prayed the rosary for a half hour right up to the parking lot of his school. Rob, my grandson, got in the car, and we then tried to get onto the freeway. I was in the far right lane trying to merge into traffic. I could barely squeeze into the slow lane on my left. Cars were barely moving. Finally, having entered, I tried to get into the faster lanes to no avail. I was blocked in, first by the car in front, then by the car in the rear, and then by the car on the left who would not move up and give me room to get in, no matter how much I flashed my left turn signal. Well, this was not helping my former attitude a bit. Now I was really getting upset. Suddenly, I felt the car go out of control. I tried to steer the wheel. It was locked. I shot out my right arm to block my grandson from going through the window. I shouted, No, Lord, not him. The car stopped dead. My foot started to shake. It was still on the brake, which had not worked. I had tried to push the brake pedal through the floorboard. When my trembling had subsided, I got out of the car on my side. On Rob's side, we were on the edge of a precipice about 40 feet above the road below. A highway patrolman came to our aid. He shook his head and said there was no earthly reason why we were not dead. The tow truck arrived. The driver used some expletives I will not repeat and shook his head as he helped us into the cab of his tow truck. Our car was helplessly raised in the air behind us. When we arrived at the gas station, the mechanic dialed the phone for me. I burst into tears as I tried to tell Bob what had happened. I really didn't know myself. The mechanic later told Bob if Rob and I were not standing there in front of him, and if the highway policeman had not verified the story, he would not have believed it. He showed us how the axle had snapped in two, severing the wheel from the rest of the car. The wheel should have spun off. We and the car should have capsized and plunged into the road and the cars below. Instead, it became wedged in the fender and prevented the car from moving and turning over. 
No one could explain it at the time. They had never seen anything like it. It was as if someone had jammed the wheel, bracing the car. Was that an angel who had wedged the wheel beneath the car? Were they angels who blocked my path and locked me in the right lane, not allowing us to go into the fast lane? If we had been in the fast lane, we would have been going so fast, not only would we have died, but we would have taken other lives with us. There will definitely have been a pile-up. Maybe it was someone else's angel who interceded. Maybe it was the guardian angel of someone who will discover the cure for cancer. Or could it be it was that God heard my cry and called upon our guardian angels to save my grandson? Or was it the queen of angels to whom I had been praying the rosary before I picked up my grandson? Has she summoned her army of angels? After all, our grandson had always loved her. He had been in the Junior Legion of Mary when he was a little boy. Did she have a special plan for him? Or was it because one day the Lord would fill us with the desire to write about him, his mother, his saints, and now the angels? Were the fallen angels upset? Did they not want you to know you are not alone? Was there another battle between the good angels and the fallen angels being waged? Did the good angels block the fallen ones from trying to prevent us from doing God's work? I don't know. Your guess is good as mine. But the angels were there. You can count on that. An encounter with an angel at the airport. Years ago, when we were just beginning our party goods manufacturing business, Bob and I did everything. As the expression goes, we were chief cook and bottle washer. I was the only salesperson besides Bob. I did most of the traveling, selling to department stores around the country. While Bob remained in New York, supervising the plant, calling on New York accounts, and caring for our family. Our cash flow was so poor, I didn't dare return home without orders. We needed them not only to pay our help, but little things like rent, telephone bills, and groceries for our family. When you start a business with more ideas than money, you live from day to day and hand to mouth. As I wrote an order, I telephoned Bob long distance and he would ship it out. In that way, the company factoring our accounts would advance the money we desperately needed to cover our overhead. On one particular trip, I was getting ready to return home when I got caught in a blizzard in Detroit, Michigan. The trip had been longer than most and I was not only tired, but now with the devastating news that the airport was closed and all flights delayed, that our plane could not land no less take off on time, I was at the point of tears. But forever the optimist, I decided to not only remain in the airport awaiting the next flight to New York, but I waited at the gate. I was sure the next notice on the board would be that my plane had arrived and we would be taken off within the hour. Even as hours slowly ticked away into more hours, into finally three in the morning, I couldn't leave that spot. I just knew the plane would be arriving any moment. Suddenly, something or was it someone seemed to awaken me. I hadn't realized I'd have fallen asleep. I shot up sharply from the huddled position I was in. As my glasses had fallen off, the figures coming toward me were kind of hazy. They looked as if they were weaving. 
I put on my glasses and realized it wasn't my poor eyesight. The two men staggering toward me had not been spending their waiting hours praying but drinking. The only traveling I had ever done alone was when I went to college. Now years later, here I was and I was petrified. Traveling alone so unnerved me that when checking into a hotel, I would always ask for a room next to the elevator. I had never shared these fears with Bob because no matter how needed the orders were for us to survive, he would never have allowed me to go out of town. And now my worst fears were to be realized. I froze. I wanted to scream, but as there would seem to be no one else around, who will hear me? Part of me felt foolish, but the other part of me was saying, run. I couldn't move. I kept telling my mouth to open and scream, but he wouldn't listen. My legs seemed to have a mind of their own as well and wouldn't cooperate any more than my voice. Lord, help me. The two drunks were making lewd and lecherous comments. Suddenly, from another direction, a man appeared. My first thought was, oh, Lord, not another one. He came over to me and sat about five feet away. He started to speak to me with the gentlest voice. He never came any closer, but he evidently discouraged the other two men as they soon walked away. He stayed with me right up to and including boarding the plane. He did not leave me until he got off at his city. Had my guardian angel called him? Was he my guardian angel? Did my guardian angel take on human form to try to console and protect me? I remember the men till today. He was blonde. His hair was thinning a little. He was slightly built. He had the kindest blue eyes. He had a great sense of humor and was able to laugh at himself. He told me he was a minister in the Pentecostal church. My fear gone, I became my own bull in a china shop self and I blurted out, Oh, I thought all Pentecostals were loud, pew and floor thumping holy rollers. You're so soft-spoken. You don't seem to fit the description. He laughed as he told me a little bit about himself, assuring me that not all Pentecostals shouted and waved their arms. Just as my Jesus has come to me so many times over the years, in different forms, ages, color, and sizes, why not an angel? Did my angel take the form of a Pentecostal minister? Mother Angelica and her guardian angel. As you drive up to EWTN, you immediately become aware of the angels and their queen. Right in front of the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, an army of angels is posted on a hill, honoring Mother Mary and protecting Mother Angelica, her nuns, the monastery, and her apostolate, the Eternal Word Television Network. Even the truck containing her portable studio, including a satellite uplink that EWTN uses to go on site to bring us so much of their fine programming, is named after the angel Gabriel. When we first began delving into Mother Angelica's story, we wonder how a little girl with so little to live for became the powerful woman she is today. As we study more about her, we discover the strong place the angels have always played in her life. To the eyes of the foolish, it would have appeared she was alone much of the time. When we wrote one part of her story in particular, we could see how, like the prophets before her, 
The Lord had a plan, and he never left her alone until that plan was fully executed. Thank God she and he are not finished yet. With no father to watch over her, Rita, Mother Angelica, was to have the love and watchful care of the Father, our Lord and Savior. One day, as a young girl, when crossing a heavily trafficked street, tired and a little distracted, she did not see an oncoming automobile until it was too late to avoid the speeding fatal impact. She closed her eyes, waiting for the worst, when she felt hands lifting her up. Upon opening her eyes, she discovered herself standing on the median, safe and untouched. It was her first experience with the protective love of her guardian angel. The bus driver who witnessed the event later recounted the story to May, Mother Angelica's mother. He said it was as if Rita leaped in the air or had been hurled high above the car and onto the median. Padre Pio and the Guardian Angels Padre Pio would ask Padre Agostino to stay with him during some of his ecstasies. As he was having ecstasies, Padre Agostino would hurriedly try to jot down Padre Pio's words. He said that Padre Pio's angel would laugh as Padre Pio playfully teased him. This is an excerpt from one of Padre Pio's ecstasies recorded by Father Agostino. It's dated November 29, 1911. You can see that Padre Pio and his guardian angel were like two very close friends. My Bob only teases people he trusts, and so it is obvious Padre Pio trusted his angel enough to kid with him. Angel of God, my angel, are you not taking care of me? Are you a creature of God? Either you're a creature of God or a creator. You're a creator? No. Therefore, you are God's creature and you must have laws which you must obey. You must stay beside me whether you want to or not. He laughs. What is there to laugh about? Tell me one thing. Who was here yesterday morning? He laughs. An angel laughs. Tell me. I won't leave you until you tell me. If not... I will ask Jesus, and then you'll catch it. Padre Pio turns to Mother Mary. She laughs. Seeing he is getting nowhere fast, Padre Pio turns to Jesus. Jesus, you tell me. Father Agostino assumes the angel answers Padre Pio because he says, It took a lot for you to say it, little man. As close as he was with his guardian angel, so he was under constant attack from the fallen angels. During one of his ecstasies, Father Agostino heard him say, Jesus, will the evil one come tonight? Well, help those who assist me, protect them and defend them. Padre Pio is referring to the friars he would ask to stay with him at times to help him ward off the onslaught of the fallen angels. He continues, I know you are there, but angel of mine, stay with me. Padre Pio would always tell his spiritual children to send their guardian angels to him. Then he would complain that their angels kept him up all night. Pope John XXIII and the Guardian Angels Angelo Roncalli, known to the world as Pope John XXIII, the rotund little man who was supposed to be an interim pope, but wound up being responsible for changing the church as we know it today, had an unbelievable devotion to the angels, especially his guardian angel. He never had a problem talking about the angels, 
not only to his priests and bishops, but to non-Catholics and non-Christians for that matter. Pope John XXIII had more to say about his guardian angel than anyone in the church, with possible exception of Padre Pio. John XXIII encouraged familiarity with the guardian angel. Get to know him, talk to him, he will answer you. This Pope was a very simple man. He took the Lord's words at face value. There was never in his mind any question regarding the existence of guardian angels or their role in the lives of humans. He came from the word of God, and that was good enough for him. He didn't argue the fact. He didn't try to blow the angels out of proportion or make them into something they were not. They were important enough. Their role in salvation history was overwhelming. He used every opportunity he could to expound on the guardian angels, especially how they were working in the world during his time. He encouraged parents to teach their children about guardian angels. Parents should teach their children that they are never alone, that they have an angel at their side, and show them how to have a trusting conversation with this angel. On another occasion, he said, Your guardian angel is a good advisor. He intercedes near God on your behalf. He helps us in our needs. He protects us from dangers and accidents. The Pope would like the faithful to feel the wonderful help the angels give. Send your guardian angel. We can send our guardian angel to link wings with the wings of the guardian angels of loved ones, encircling them, protecting them from danger. If our loved ones are in danger of being hurt physically, spiritually, mentally, or emotionally, we can send our guardian angel to speak to the angel of the person who could hurt them. Either the two angels could join together to block that person from hurting our loved ones or to talk to him to convince him not to harm them. John Twenty-Third was the greatest proponent of having your guardian angel appeal to the guardian angel of another person that you may be having difficulty with. Very often, when he was preparing to go to a meeting with someone or someones he knew to be antagonistic, he will call upon his guardian angel to speak to the guardian angel of his adversary and soften his heart. He could not recall how many times this had changed the course of some very important meetings. Pope John XXIII also gave credit to his guardian angel for the inspiration of convening Vatican Council too. He claimed always to pray to our Lord through his guardian angel. He believed sincerely that his guardian angel brought him the message from Jesus for Vatican II. Bring my husband back to me. There was a famous television personality who one day told his wife he was leaving her. There was no other woman, he said, but he didn't want to be married any longer. She cried. She pleaded, but all to no avail. Good, solid Christian friends told her she must pray to remember that Jesus abhors divorce. She was to live her life as if her husband would come through the door the next moment. Believing, praying, and hoping, she persevered as the months turned into almost two years. There was no sign of her husband coming back. The gossip columns and scandal magazines were having a party. Often alone in her home, or was she alone, She could barely keep from running out and making a life for herself. Then one night, she answered the door 
and who do you think was standing before her, her husband? He asked her if he could come back home, if she would take him back. He said he didn't know what happened to him, but all of a sudden he was sitting in a restaurant and he had this irresistible urge to return to her and his home. Not only have they reconciled, but they are actively giving testimony on the power and hope of prayer. Who put that thought into his mind and that desire into his heart? Could it be guardian angels at work? We can send our angel to summon someone to church. One day in Little Rock, Arkansas, there was a healing service to be given by Father Ralph Diorio, but before it began, the Bishop of Little Rock processed into the arena with the Blessed Sacrament. As he passed by and raised the Blessed Sacrament, blessing the people, you could hear, I can walk, I can hear, I can see. People were throwing away crutches, rising from wheelchairs. There were those who began to hear and see with the eyes of the heart as well as those of the body. Healings of hurts and painful memories were taking place. The faithful sought reconciliation, forming long lines to have their confessions heard. There was an air of peace and joy that filled the room. As all the people who had come there to be helped had been healed, what could Father Diorio do but praise the Lord for the next hour and a half? A man came up to him and gave this testimony. He had come there to disrupt the service, to expose Father Diorio and the Catholic faith. He had been away from the church and the sacraments for 25 years. But he said, when the Blessed Sacrament was raised and the bishop blessed him, he felt something like a bolt of lightning shoot out of the monstrance and knocked him down. He went on, crying, that he was suddenly filled with the desire to come back home to his church. Maybe when this man set out, he thought his intention was to disrupt the service and discredit the church. But did his guardian angel know his heart's true desire? Did he know that, as with the crucifixion, what may begin as a negative can be resurrected into a positive? Don't be afraid to send forth your guardian angel. I used to worry when I would send my guardian angel to help a loved one that I would be alone and unguarded. Our church teaches that our guardian angel leaves and returns in an instant, moving faster than light. When we give talks, we always ask the audience, how would you feel if you discovered you were the son or daughter of the Queen of England? As they begin to smile and giggle a little, we continue, you are the child of one greater than any queen or earthly king. God, King of the universe, is your father. God sends down his specially created messengers and heavenly army to help us on our way. How loved we are, how special we are, how royal we are. We have personal escorts better than those of royalty. Ours will never betray us. They cannot be bought off. We have power. We have strength. There is no limit to what we can do with the help of our angel. We need never fear again. We are not alone. As we travel around our beautiful country and visit our church in the different states, all we hear is, why have I never heard of the miracles of the Eucharist before this? And I know 
The next question we will hear is why are we not hearing of the angels and their role in our life? Why are we not being taught about the angels? I don't know the answer, but I do know if ever there was a time we needed to learn and to follow the directives of the angels, that time is now. There have never been more serious threats to our world and mankind as a whole than there are today. Those who have sold out to the fallen angels would have us believe we are hopeless and helpless. They tell us there is no devil. They feed us a lot of psychological jargon we don't understand about this neurosis or that dysfunction. They tell us there is no such thing as sin. If we speak about the angels, they would have us believe we are simple and not up to date. Well, if their philosophy or theology is up to date, let us remain archaic. Why would some have you believe that there are no angels? If there are no angels of God, then there are no fallen angels and no devil and no sin. Then it follows, if there is no devil and no sin, why was Jesus born? The latest heresy, which is not really new at all but as old as Genesis and the fall of Adam and Eve, would have us believe that we not only don't need angels, but we don't need God himself as we are gods. Does that sound like the number one fallen angel or what? The Guardian Angels Teaching of the Church Our Lord Jesus referred to the guardian angels when he said, See that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. He said, They're angels, not the angels. Therefore, we know that he was speaking of the guardian angels of the little ones. This truth of the guardian angels comes to us as a revelation from the Lord himself. The doctrine of the guardian angels comes down to us by the teaching authority of the universal church. It reflects Holy Scripture and our Catholic tradition down through the ages, right from the times of the early fathers of the church. St. Basil the Great said, Each one of the faithful has an angel who directs his life as a teacher and a shepherd. Our St. John Chrysostom, who wrote extensively on the angels and the sacrifice of the Mass, said, referring to Jacob of the Old Testament, Every faithful Christian has an angel, for every just man had an angel from the very beginning. And then quoting Jacob, the angel that nourishes me and delivers me from youth. The early fathers of the church thought that every good Christian has the special protection of a guardian angel. But that is not to say that God, in his unlimited love and generous heart, does not have the same concern and does not likewise grant the same fatherly protection over non-believers and sinners. They are his children, just as we are, and as their creator, he has never stopped loving them. I believe that we, in the narrow scope of our ability to love and forgive, have a difficult time understanding how much God loves us, how he remains faithful as we turn our backs on him, how he continues to love us even as we continue to take part in his crucifixion by crucifying others. When I think how difficult it is to see our loved ones go off, whether to college, to seminary, to a convent, to get married, or to the missions, all good things, my heart aches for our Heavenly Father who sends His precious creations, 
the angels down to be with us. How very much he loves us. And if God is willing to part with them out of love for us, then it must be important that they are here. And if follows, we should listen to them and love them. So now you know, there are no more excuses. When you find yourself in the occasion of sin, when the temptation is so strong to do whatever it is you know you shouldn't be doing, and an even more powerful voice within you keeps telling you not to do it, that's your guardian angel. Or if you are with your friends, and an instance arises where you're called upon to do something good, but not necessarily popular, for someone in need, but not particularly socially acceptable, when that voice inside of you urges you to go beyond yourself, pleading with you to allow yourself to be ridiculed for the sake of a child of the kingdom, that's your guardian angel, bugging you until you give in. He won't force you, but he won't let you live either until you do what's good for you. It's a fact that he loves you, and you can't even see him, or can you? Promise to the guardian angel, Kneeling before your majesty, we thank you, O God, that you have given each of us a heavenly companion to be at our side, one who leads us according to your will, directs us to your glory, and manifests to us your love. Here before your eyes, we promise to love our holy companion as a brother, and heed him when he speaks to us in the voice of conscience. He shall surely lead us to heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Take my hand and place it in the hand of my angel and make the sign of redemption over it, your blessing for our salvation. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the app store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.